This episode is brought to you by Ready Set Podcast. Ready Set Podcast has prices to fit any budget, options for both hobbyists and professional podcasters. They make it super easy to create your own podcast. They can help record, edit, and publish. If you have a podcast idea, they'll give you a free consultation if you reach out to them on their website or social media. Their website is www.readysetpodcast.xyz. Ready Set Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. I'm Isaac Sims. I'm Olivia Clement. And I'm Eric Pham, and you're listening to Flyover Film Country. A podcast about movies set in flyover country. Today we are continuing our series on the Arkansan director Jeff Nichols and his 2016 film Loving. Loving is a retelling of the true story of Richard and Mildred Loving, a white man and a black woman whose marriage resulted in the historic 1967 Supreme Court decision overruling all state laws prohibiting interracial marriage. And that's Adina White, founder and chief storyteller for Black Belt Media and their podcast, Black Belt Voices. She's here today to discuss the film with us and its true history. The Black Belt Voices podcast propagates the richness of Black Southern culture by telling the stories of Black folks down South. Adina and her team work to tell some of the most powerful and sobering stories that couldn't be more timely. We're so thankful to have you here with us today, Adina. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Welcome, Adina. Yeah, I'm glad to be on the other side of the of the mic. I guess. <laughs> yes, you you. Uh, it's always fun having a conversation uh, over, uh, I guess, podcasting. But you don't have to facilitate everything. You guys are awesome, and your format is set up that couldn't be more, more different from the way that we do things, <laughs> where we just hit record and see what happens. Um, you guys have one of the best uh, best produced podcasts that I've listened to that make it incredibly mm-hmm. engaging and kind of have uh, on on par with code switch i would say oh, in terms of how you cut things and that is high jump to praise. Di- to new yeah yeah <laughs> I, I really mean that okay yeah my sister katrina is our producer and she does all the editing and producing so that's all credit to her for that but thank you i love code switch <laughs> yeah yeah nice. you're the one you introduced me to code switch oh yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, so before we get started, Adina, I want you to share. So we, we were core coworkers formerly, uh, in another life a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I, I would love for you to share with our four listeners, um, who, how, <laughs> that was a joke. Y'all can laugh at it. Uh, how, how Black Belt got started in your j- journey to get it started, who your collaborators are, um, what you've been working on recently. Just just give your give your 30 seconds minute uh, sh- spiel on Black Belt Voices because it's one of the most exciting things uh, happening right now in Conway. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was um, after the 2016 election when I wanted to do something to tell more stories about Black Southerners because I felt like Black Southerners were being left out of a lot of conversations. Um, a lot of times when people talked about Black people, they would talk about the inner cities, mostly Northern, larger cities. And when they would talk about the South, it would t- be talking about, you know, mostly white Southerners, you know, country music mm-hmm. and the white, uh, the South voted for Trump and all this kind of thing. So um, I want to tell more Black Southern stories and it started as a blog I told one story. It was very emotional for the person I was talking to. And so I was like, this will be great audio, but I'm not a talker. I'm a writer. So I let the podcast idea, I put it in the back of my mind for a while. And then I told many people about the idea for Black Belt. And one of those was Kara Wilkins, who um, I knew casually through PRSA, a professional uh, public relations organization I'm a part of. 
So we were talking one day and then uh, she was telling some interesting story about Jay-Z and Beyonce or something. And, you know, she's just very engaging, very good conversationalist. I'm a lot more dry and to the point. And I was like, would you like to co-host a podcast? And she was like, oh, yeah, sure. Because she knew about Black Belt. So I said, Black Belt is becoming a podcast. And she was on board. My sister, who I told you about, is a editor. And well, she, she was a producer for a local ABC affiliate. And then now she works in PR, but she was saying, I'm just a producer looking for a show. We were just talking about our hopes and dreams on the phone. And I was like, oh, by the way, Black Belt's going to be a podcast. Do you want to produce that? She was like, oh, yeah, sure. And then nice, so cool. that's how the podcast was born in September 2019. And we've had some good success with it lately. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. Is it true that you guys were given a shout out by Oprah? <clears throat> well, <laughs> you are so modest, Adina. You need to, you need you know, to just uh, embrace the crazy uh, clout that you have and, and I, <laughs> when you're in central Arkansas. And I have, I have all of this, like these little like. Yeah, but okay, we were, we were in Oprah's magazine, oh, the Oprah magazine. So I don't know for sure if Oprah herself has listened and has uh, put sure, her rubber yeah. stamp on it, but her magazine <laughs> did include us in a list of like eight podcasts or 15 podcasts to make you smarter. And that was that was hard to believe. So that, yes, I, I, we were very excited about that. So we, we like to say Oprah, I imagine she has, she has a lot of say in her magazine. So <laughs> yes, oh, yes, yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would absolutely say Oprah recommended my podcast. Yes. She definitely. I would tell everyone. I would just put that on my resume. It'd be all over everything. Yeah, so your you social media bio. Yeah, my social media bio. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's it's like a. It's there are a bunch of air fryer jokes um, happening on the internet right now. Like people just like you don't know coming up to them being saying, "I have an air fryer," you know. I don't <laughs> care. Uh, and that's kind of what I do with with my friends like hey i have a podcast did you know that and they're like shut up i know uh so but now you can be like i have a podcast and oprah recommend it so you have to yeah i didn't need to throw it in there so it's, yeah. yeah you should throw it in there yeah all the time we'll, we'll send you a bumper sticker yes <laughs> <laughs> um okay awesome well adina this is a film podcast mm-hmm. um this is the way we do things is pretty similar to how um our mutual friend Leo Cummings III does his uh, his podcast, Black Dude White Dude. Yes. We just hit record and and go. We don't go quite as long as they do, but this is a film podcast. It's about movies. Mm-hmm. Um, we love digging into the the stories that are overlooked and the stories that are set geographically in places oft forgotten and not really documented in America. Um, and so that's why we're doing Jeff Nichols. He's from Little Rock. He's he's done some really cool movies. And this was one where he he was inspired to make Loving after watching the documentary about Mildred and Richard Loving. Um, so all that to say, this is a movie podcast. Uh, other than this movie, which I assume you've watched recently, mm-hmm. what are some of your favorite movies and shows? And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's hear about that. Oh, wow. And I, I'm ashamed to admit this on this podcast. I am very much, <laughs> I, I don't keep up with the latest shows and like TV shows and movies. Like I'm so behind. And for some reason, it takes me a lot of effort to watch something. But once I get sure. show, yeah, it's like, I get that. Yes. And it's like a chore for some reason. But then once I get into something, I love it. Like it took me forever to even turn on Shit's Creek. And mm-hmm. I, I, I finally watched, I watched like um, four episodes and I Googled, when does Shit's Creek and then it came up get good? I was like, yeah, that. So anyway, <laughs> so okay, I'm not the only one. Like, well, that. well actually, okay. Then I, I abandoned it. I abandoned it, and then my uh, we were looking for something to watch that was kind of short because we had finished another series. My husband and I, what was it? I can remember. But anyway, now we watch it together, and we're on the last season, and I I really enjoy it. So it took me a minute to get warmed up. Maybe it's better with someone in the room. I don't know. 
because at first I was like, they are over the top. But once I kind of got got into it more, I, I really appreciated it. So I'm watching Shit's Creek now. Uh, I watched um, How to Get Away with Murder when it was on. Rest in peace, Cicely oh, yeah. Tyson. She uh, she was great on uh, that. Yeah, yeah, she was. Um, as far as movies. Let's see. Growing up, we would watch the Temptations. Um, I was gonna, ask, yeah, yeah, we watched, the Fighting Temptations. <laughs> no, the um, the one about the musical group. Uh, okay, yeah. it, it's just like a little what are the, what are those called? Not documentaries, but like the there's a name for them. Like a concert. Documentary? Well, like the movie is based on like someone's life. Uh, oh, oh, yes, yeah, bye, bye. Oh, yes, yeah, bye. yes. So we we loved we. We watched that a lot growing up. Um, but as far as picking a favorite movie, uh, let's see. That was that was one that has a big impact on my childhood. Mm-hmm. All the Disney movies, of course, are in, are up in there. Um, What's your favorite Disney movie? Uh, the Lion King, I think. That's 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 yeah. classic. Yeah, that's the oh, one yeah. classic. Um, but yeah, I'm, it may come to me, but I don't. Yeah, I'm not a big movie watcher, but I really do. Once I once I watch one, like I'm all over the movie database and trying to look look stuff up about it. But sure, it takes me yeah. a minute to get there. But yeah. <laughs> If you have the time, what what type of movies? Mm. Like if you, if you had an entire day to like not do anything, you're like, I'll watch a couple of movies. Okay, let's. See. What what genre would you dive into? I like I think a good drama. I like a good a good not really scary but a good suspenseful drama. Um, mm. My husband he's into the scary movies. I am I'll watch those with him. But when he when he has some has a moment he'll get some b horror movie that he finds on netflix and then <laughs> he has a friend and they like to watch scary movies so like before covid they would go when a new scary movie would come out they would go watch it together so that's kind of his jam so i will watch those with him but if i was by myself like twisting my hair uh, isaac knows about this yeah um when i when i have when i do my hair and i uh mm-hmm. twist it up that takes if i do small twists maybe like maybe like two and a half hours so mm-hmm. um Usually I try to pick a, a drama and one night um, I wanted to watch something, but not, not anything too long. So I found a, gosh, I'm not good at thinking of movies, Pearl Harbor. <laughs> so oh yeah, it, it was on Amazon Prime and it didn't tell me how long it was. So I was like, no, let me sit down and watch this. And I was like, oh my gosh, this thing is like really long. And so it was, it was is it like almost three hours? <laughs> it's something like yeah. that. <laughs> I was yeah. not expecting something. Yes. So that, so that was when I was like, and so I'm glad I sat there and watched it because I knew it was like, this has been out a long time. Let me just watch it because. Anyway, it was a good movie, but it took me, I was surprised when like it was halfway through and I'm like, when are they going to kind of <laughs> get to the thing? But, um, so <laughs> were they like, you know, fly and drop the, you know, yeah, but, uh, that stuff. But it was, it was a yeah. very, yeah, the very important thing, but it was a very, um, it was a good movie. So I think usually that's, that's what I go to. Sometimes I move for comedies. I love Bridesmaids. Um, mm-hmm. oh, I watched Bridesmaids a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, that was good. So, so really, I think if I had to sit there and watch something, it'll be dramas, Documentary sometimes too. Like I like Food Inc. Um, oh yeah, that's a good. Oh one. yeah, yeah. So I would uh, whenever we were working together at the chamber, um, I would come by and I'd see like your hairstyle differently, and I'd stop and be like, "All right, so what movie did you watch?" <laughs> and you'd be like, <laughs> yes. "Well, actually, like uh, I watched this, or like I actually did something else while I was." Yes. There, so. House of Cards is another se- series that I was that I kind of watched mm-hmm. by myself. That was just, that was a hair twisting show. Mad Men was a hair twisting show uh, series. Um. Mm-hmm. um Dear White People is another one that's kind of like a shorter, funnier thing that mm. I would use to twist my hair. Um, so, yeah. What uh, I was going to ask. Oh, yeah, yeah I was going to share because I shared this with Eric before the two of you got on before we started recording. I listened to one of my favorite podcasts is The Big Picture. And they were they did uh, their the three hosts top five favorite Denzel Washington movies because that new movie with him and Rami Malek and Jared Leto came out. And so they did that episode. And after I finished it, I was like, 
I want to watch like all of his movies. I haven't seen like, I haven't seen training mm-hmm. day yet. Uh, and so we had, I borrowed f- that night. I went to a friend's house and he's like, let me show you my movie collection. And he has liter- probably half of Denzel Washington's movies. And I was like, bro, I've been like, I literally today, I told him that whole thing. And so I took four and last night we watched the Pelican brief and it was Denzel Washington, Julia Roberts, Stanley Tucci's in it. And all it's like an ensemble drama like a john it's based on john grisham and i was like man there's all these people in this i just want to watch denzel washington like like he's like he's the reason i'm here and then it was long and all that stuff so yeah i'm kind of the same way like i want to uh all of these movies that are very central to like black culture and stuff that i haven't seen like, like i watched sure. um coming to america and i can't wait for coming to america coming to america the second one that's on my calendar very excited about that. yes yeah um yeah but then i have all these other ones that like i didn't watch growing up like um i, I watched tina turner movie but these things that like are always repeated on black twitter and stuff like that and then like i know uh-huh. where they're coming from i hadn't seen the movie like you know boys in the hood and stuff like that so one day yeah. I want to sit down and, and watch like the classic black movies. And then I want to watch the classic, you know, mainstream movies, I guess. Um, yeah. You got to watch, you got to check out The Wire. That's, there's so many memes from The Wire I on Twitter these days. I hear a lot about The Wire. Okay, that may be my next yeah. hair twisting show. It's, it's a good one. It's really good. Idris Elba steals the show. Mm. If you, if you want to watch Boys in the Hood, I have it on DVD. So shoot me a text and I'll, I'll run it over to okay. you. Okay, okay. Or did you say you still haven't seen it yet? No, yeah. I mean, correct. I haven't seen it. Gotcha. Yeah. One of of my top, top favorite movies of all time. So, uh, Olivia and Eric, what have you guys been watching recently? Uh, I think Loving was the first thing I'd watched since Sundance. Nice. So I haven't had a whole lot of time to watch much of anything. Yep. Unfortunately. So such is life. Such is life. Always working. It's fine. Always working, never watching movies. Yeah, for our podcast. Fortunate. Yeah, I'll Eric- I'll make time to watch it for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, Eric, what about you? I've I've actually got to watch some new ones uh, from one of my favorite directors, Stephen Chow. He had a uh, some of his first movies. One is called Love on Delivery. It's about this delivery shy delivery boy who uh, <laughs> who falls in love with this girl at a gym. It it and in, in comedy ensues if you know Stephen Chow. So mm-hmm. I, I watched that one very recently. A very fun romantic comedy. from china nice adina we the last episode that we recorded was about the sundance film festival they debuted it online this year so you could buy a ticket for a specific time slot and then just stream it from your phone or computer or tv and we got to we got to watch some really interesting movies but eric got to cover cover two movies representing asian american culture and they were it was really cool very about cool. those so yeah yeah those are called uh yeah eric try harder and i was I a simple was man a simple man yep, yep. Yeah. oh yeah uh my whole thing is i got to support asian american film because it's it's such an underappreciated part of of cinema so i do everything i can to support local filmmakers <laughs> and asian american filmmakers so it's cool seeing those movies sweet all right, well, let's jump into Loving. Um, so Loving came out in 2016, stars uh, Joel Edgerton and Ruth Nega and um, some other some other prestigious actors making an appearance. Did y'all know Colin Firth produced this movie? I didn't until yeah, I looked I at it. Literally like 10 minutes uh, before we got on, I was like, oh, Colin Firth produced this movie. That's great. So love Colin Firth. Anyway, what? Here's here's I'll kick things off with kind of something that I was thinking about. I saw Jeff Nichols at UCA probably a month before 
um, businesses started shutting down in Conway last year, and he was uh, he was just sharing about different things he's specific fail- failures he's um, learned from since he started working in Hollywood, and the way he talked about loving, he was very proud of it, but he was also kind of subdued, and so I went into the movie thinking, kind of being on edge and being very analytical and looking for miscalculations or missteps in either in the portrayal of African-Americans or otherwise. So I thought that he did a very good job for the most part. Um, And I like this movie, but I think my main critique is that it was very sparse. There was a lot less dialogue (laughs) than, than I was expecting. Um, But that, and, and although that's kind of his style, I was still, just screaming at the end. Like, I just want to see Edgerton and Ruth Nega like do more. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my main critique open yeah. for discussion. What did, what do you guys think? That was, that was my main thing too. I wish we got to see more of like the family and the household. There's like very little interaction between Richard and his kids. And I, every scene with his kids in it is, was like so rich with character. I wish I got to see them involved more, but that was that was kind of the thing that I had too was which there was a bit a little bit more interaction with the fam within the family. Sure. Adina, what did what did you think about I, I want to hear from you. You you are on our show mm-hmm. uh and and we're here for your insight. So what did you like loving versus the help? What are some some thoughts and comparisons or just start talking? Yeah. We, we want we want to hear <laughs> right. From you. Right. Okay. Um actually that was one movie that I put on my calendar when it came out. And I, I didn't watch it until in preparation for this, actually, you know, four whole years, years later. And no reason. I just didn't get to it. I, I was excited when I heard it was announced. But like you said, and like I said, I was surprised at how little the characters talked. But then I did read about it on Wikipedia and I, and I saw um, that he that he was a man of very few words. Richard was. Sure. So I was like, OK, well, that makes sense. And um, I thought that was that, that would be hard to portray a character who doesn't talk much. So but at first I was kind of um, he was centered a lot at first. Not in that. Like mm-hmm. like you said, Isaac, I was coming to try to put that critical analysis thing on. But then once Mildred kind of emerged as the person who was ready to you know fight. I mean, she's the one who wrote the attorney general about. Sure. Or, or, you know, Robert Kennedy and stuff. So it, that kind of flipped in my head because at first I was wondering, like, man, they're really centering him a lot. But um, it, it made, I mean, it made sense. Um, and so it was, and it wasn't as, I think when, I'm, when I watch movies from that time period, you're used to so much violence. And I think I kept mm-hmm. waiting for that. It kind of yes. like just sitting there on, on edge, like waiting for some horrible thing to happen. And it, I mean, it, things were horrible, but it was more because of the laws and things like that and less physical violence, which I was mm-hmm. grateful for when things like that didn't happen, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Sure. So that was, that was something I just, just brace yourself for those scenes. Yep. Cause mm-hmm. we're, we're accustomed to like, Oh shoot. Okay. So obviously their marriage is not, uh, not legal. So you kind of expect mm-hmm. something like a, t- a time to kill or some some other right. crate or like 12 years of slave or i know those are different periods but still similar sentiments in terms of a racist environment um so yeah i totally i totally understand that especially those guys they, they show the white guys at the beginning during the ra- during the mm-hmm. race and mm-hmm. they were staring at them uh at Mildred and richard uh hugging and then next thing you know they get arrested i'm like are those, those dudes coming oh my god you know so I'll, you just yep. and i guess it's what they want you to feel but um mm-hmm. I remember having those thoughts and stuff. But Apparently, well- just 
Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, apparently I was just going to throw this out here, like not, not core or central, but the opening with the drag race scene, I was like, Oh, okay. And then it always seemed kind of, I, I rewatched it this morning with director's commentary and I was like, I mean, like it was the drag racing is cool, but like, it's kind of, it feels jammed in there. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but apparently they really, what they were like really good and they, had 99 trophies like they would go and enter these races and they won a ton like they would break the car down put the engine back together and they just had it figured out so once i learned that i was like okay cool wow like that's cool they did drag racing yeah, it makes so. sense okay <laughs> yeah i think show, so. showing how how interracial their town was like how integrated mm-hmm. um their friendships were i think that was kind of key to which i didn't really think about until later on like you know um Mm-hmm. Re- reading about later on, I saw, I saw how they were trying to portray that too. Like they had interracial friendships and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, there were apparently that county I was reading was less than 50% white. Like very, it was very common for, you know, or there were other, they knew other interracial couples. Um, and so they, they didn't really understand why they were being picked on specifically. So, hmm. yeah, but um what about adina this is this uh this was another reason i uh not wanted you to be on the show necessarily but also that there's a point of similarity between for between you and the movie is uh is you were married to a white man and so there there was a pretty mm-hmm. interesting way that richard's kind of the main character up until the the time that they go to dc and then uh mildred is the focus for the rest of the movie i would say um so mm-hmm. what, are your, what are your thoughts about like you you immediately get the sense that everyone's cool with richard he's hanging around uh yeah and yeah so what are your, what are your thoughts on that and the, that portrayal. i could really right i could really relate to that because um we're, we're close to both of our families you know mine and matt's but we are a little closer in proximity to proximity to my family and um i went to the church i grew up in up until a year ago and then and my husband and I have been married for 12 years, almost 13 years. So mm-hmm. he came to my church. So like he, so he, and which is a predominantly black, you know, church. So he was a member of my church for years, very involved, even more involved than I was later on. And not only my church, the district of churches, which is like 10 similarly sized historically black churches. And so there's a singing, singing union that they have in our district where on the fifth Sunday every month, the churches get together and just sing, you know, every church sings one song and then on round two, they all sing again. It's kind of a good concert. Like anyway, it was always a fun thing. And of course, COVID kind of ruined those for a time being. But um, my husband was president of the singing union. So he's like, so he broke nice, a lot of barriers nice. in my, like he was like our the church's first white assistant Sunday school superintendent, if you count that kind of stuff. So like, he, so he was very involved. It was never, he never was, that, that, it never was weird to him. Like he he was very mm-hmm. used to being the only white person in, in those situations, which a lot of people have never been in that. So during those scenes when it was like all the, all the black people and Richard kind of reminded me of, you know, what Matt has been in my family a lot of times, you know, cause, cause my family is also very huge. Like my extended family, like both mm-hmm. of my parents have 10 siblings. And so we have family get togethers is a lot of people. And, um, mm-hmm. and Matt's family is, is pretty small. So, so he, he's been used to being in that environment. So I, I felt that when they were kind of hanging out and they had the, the white guy there and <laughs> we were talking yeah. about how many trophies he won and they, and they all <laughs> laughed, you know, so yeah. I, I kind of like that, how he was welcome in their family. And we didn't learn a lot about the mom, really. But, you know, she was always very cold toward him and everything. So um, mm-hmm. I always wondered. Uh, R- Richard's mom. Oh, yes, yes. 
Yeah, yeah. Like he he had that proximity to blackness, and you could tell by the way even the sheriff treated him. Like the sheriff called him boy, which yeah, I noticed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that. was used for black men a lot, so he would call him mm-hmm. boy. And so that class thing came about too because they talked about how he was from a poor family. So mm-hmm. it's just interesting seeing the acceptance he had in the black community and in Mildred's family, but also the rejection he had from the the white people was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, even at one point, his mom tells him after they get married and I think after the first arrest, his his mom says, you should have never married her or you mm-hmm. made a mistake and you know better. And so at first it seems like, okay, his mom's just kind of cold, but it seems like she like she's fine. But then it, it you clearly realize, oh, nope, that's right. not okay. And I like that. When he said, but you like her. And she said, I like a lot of people. I thought yeah. that was interesting because like she admitted like mm-hmm. she's a fine person, but you should, you know, so I thought that was right. I like how they threw that in there too, because yeah, it wasn't enough for her to, to think that he should break the law. And I, mm-hmm. I have to use quotes for that because it was the law, but right. Yeah. Apparently, so Nichols took some creative liberties uh, when it comes to to his mom, but apparently she never said that specifically. But she did say you you shouldn't have gone to DC to get like you shouldn't have like actually been married. Like y'all mm-hmm. could have stayed together, and like that sentiment's thrown around by a couple of the other characters. Like mm-hmm. you could just live together, or like you don't have to get married. You don't have to like commit. You know, like it'll be yeah. fine. Like you could just be the single dude. Uh, that his buddies were kind of saying that uh, at one which point is, when they're working on the car. Which is an interesting sentiment to have at that, especially at that time, yeah. like in the 50s and 60s, um, because like um, because especially when they had a baby, like whenever they found out she was pregnant before they were married, like that was not common during that time. And so um, even then that was, that was interesting that they were all like, just, you guys can just live together and and not be married. It's okay. Cause I feel like the opposite would have been true. And apparently they knew that they couldn't be married. They couldn't get married. They knew that they couldn't get married inside the state. That's why they went to DC, but they Mm -hmm. didn't know about the laws prohibiting cohabitation within the County. And that's why they were like, wait, that's why he really did. One thing I was really impressed with is they, for the most part, the story is very accurate. Like he really mm-hmm. hung up like the their marriage license on the wall because he was, you know, like not greatly educated or anything, but he knew like I mean that's my right right there like mm-hmm. that I'm following the law, um, and and he really did hang the marriage license up on the wall. So yeah, which is common. I I know lots of married couples who have their marriage license hanging up somewhere in their house or their apartment or wherever. That's, um, that, 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 yeah. That was funny. Cause I was like, I don't do that. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know of anyone else, I guess just a difference between us, Olivia. I'm like, I don't yeah. know anyone. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I know. Like, like I think I can think of like two or three people off the top of my head who, uh, they and their spouse have it hanging up in their, uh, house somewhere. And that's, that's funny. Cause I, I never, I never known about that either. But like when he did it, I didn't think like, oh, he's doing this in case they get caught. My first thought was like, huh, I need to do that with mine because we, I mean, (laughs) and then it's so funny because I had just been looking at my marriage license a lot lately because I need it for like, I'm about to switch insurance, um, get my husband's. Um, So I've had to have it out. So it's been in my head a lot. Um, But then when they got, when their house got raided, I was like, oh, that's why. But yeah, my first thought was like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) <laughs> display it oh we should do that in the that's file cool. cabinet yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, apparently, apparently they went to great lengths to replicate, you know, the specifically like how the actors looked. He said that um, Nichols said that Ruth Nega was the first, the first person they auditioned. And she came in and apparently Mildred Loving was pretty tall, like between like five, seven and five, eight or five, nine. And Ruth Nega is pretty short. And so he was all immediately said, I don't really, I don't think she's the one. But then she started acting and she just nails Mildred Loving. Uh, he said that he could tell she had been watching all the the documentary and the some of the archival footage. And she was just really, really embodied um embodied her and the same goes for nick kroll whenever nick kroll showed up i was like nick kroll and then i i could not get past yeah it really threw me off yeah that was that was a little jarring and and he goes he goes now i know it i know a lot of people kind of flipped whenever they saw nick kroll in this movie but if you go look at barry or not barry bernie cohen the lawyer in real life they look very similar so i was like well i'm good like i mean you're making a biopic so why not why not uh, go as accurate as you can on uh, actors? So yeah, the Nick Kroll thing was was absolutely hilarious because I only know him from the league, and that's about fantasy football, and he plays like an owner in that, and he's a complete jackwad of an idiot. So it was kind of kind of ridiculous seeing him in this movie, but hey, he did he did the well the the part. Where it was kind of yeah. it was sorry Isaac. Um, it was kind of like seeing it. Have you guys watched Parks and Rec and his character in yeah, Parks yes. and Rec? He plays like a, a DJ on a local radio station and his character's name is the douche on the radio station. But he yeah. like actually his character actually went to like like Sarah Lawrence or something like that. Some like really like nice super school. smart. Yeah. Yeah. And he has like like a master's degree or PhD or something like that. But he plays this like super obnoxious yeah. like disc jockey and it was it kind of felt like that like in my head he plays all these like ridiculous characters and then him showing up is playing this like so it's like lawyer and i was like oh oh this is a serious movie why is why is he here but it was good and his accent was like he kept going uh, he kept like he kept going back and forth the accent yeah yeah, yeah. in the movie and his real voice i was like hey props to him for trying yeah. well apparently you know in the in the first meeting with i i missed this the first time i watched the movie when he comes into the aclu office in i guess it's dc and he says, hey, I talked to so-and-so. He's talking to the secretary and he's like, I'm going to be using his office. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I go. It's down the hall. He goes in and he pulls out like his own nameplate. Yeah. And, like his like puts the pictures of the other dude away. And I was like, that's a really good, good touch, um, which I think was embellishment. But also uh, Nichols said when when he when Cohen tells the Lovings, OK, my plan is for y'all to go back and y'all get rearrested. That's how this will like start this whole process and richard's just like yeah we're not doing that uh and it's just super awkward he really said that like our green green lawyer like just finished law school like bright-eyed bushy-tailed i was like that's a cool little bit of embe- uh, embellishment mm-hmm. as far as like he probably would have done something like that like oh i gotta make like nervous energy um but yeah he was when good. when i saw the cast for this and i I'd seen that Michael Shannon was going to be in it. I was like, well, Michael Shannon's definitely playing the lawyer and Nick Kroll is going to be playing some idiot of a character. Then I saw Michael <laughs> Shannon. He's playing this times record photographer. Yeah. 
who's in the movie for like two minutes, which it was a nice touch. Yeah. I thought yeah. that I thought that Michael Shannon was going to be playing the cop, and I was like, oh, no, oh, it's going to be scary. Okay. And but that the Martin, uh, uh, I think it's you pronounce it Koskas, uh, the guy who played the sheriff was pretty terrifying, scary. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was uh, another thing I gleaned from some research was for that role, uh, Martin Koskas told Nichols, I'm kind of approaching this role. I, I, he's he's foreign. I forget where he's from. He might be like, I'm, I won't say just in case I get it wrong. But he told Nichols, I'm approaching this role in terms of like, like Mildred and Richard are kids that have just they're just kids like they're just being kids you know being dumb you've had your like and he says at one point you've had your fun and now you're done like you can't you can't do this anymore uh which is such a weird eerie way to think about that Mm kind of twisted like bastardization of like thinking about races um but i was like he told me that and i was like or he he said that in the documentary in the commentary and i was like oh my gosh that's like it's like a weird way and powerful way to frame a, a racist character like that mm-hmm. yeah i thought that whole scene was interesting with the with the police officers okay and not to get too deep but you know right now let's let's get deep adina yeah right now the conversation you know the term defund the police has been used a lot and i'm just seeking to understand a lot more of that argument more so than just the, the inflammatory language and all this stuff, but just understanding where it's coming from. But there's a book called The End of Policing by Alex Vitale. And when I was watching that, I thought of what he said. He, um, he talks about in the book how policing is often used as a form of social control, not really as a form of crime control. And it was so evident in that movie. And I found a quote that um, really summed it up. It was like, the reality is that police exist primarily as a system for managing and even producing in inequality by suppressing social movements and tightly managing the behavior the behaviors of poor and non-white people, those on the losing end of economic and political arrangements. So, and that, that is what they were doing. Like they weren't, the lovings weren't hurting anyone by being in that relationship. There was no crime being committed other than the police were there to uphold a law that was that was racist. And like, and they were doing their job, but like that's that's how policing was a lot of times back then. And 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 when people make these arguments, I think they're kind of basing it on those facts. Like you know, we talk about people breaking the laws, but like. Sometimes the laws are wrong, but that's what this, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I, I kept thinking about about that. And um, yeah, because, yeah, going to jail for something like that seems so unreal these days. But like that wasn't so long right. ago. And yeah, this kind of the argument people, it's kind of parallels to, to today because it's a very different situation. But it's, um, yeah, when things are unfair, the institution is often the one to make sure that they stay that way. Right. And yeah. this was, I'm going to quick math. This was less than... 50 years ago or about 50 years ago the, the, it yeah because it was 53 in years 60s. ago mm-hmm. the the supreme court ruling was 53 years ago right um going on 54 so i mean as far as i know their kids are still alive mm-hmm. right like i mean mm-hmm. this was not like you know a hundred years ago or anything like that so um, so yeah, it, it's obviously very, very recent, even if it doesn't feel like that for, for people our age or anything like that. Um, so, but yeah, I think that's a good point. Like a lot of laws are laws for no good reason other than they're racist or they're sexist or whatever. Right. Um, you know, like I think about how at one point women couldn't vote, like it would be illegal for me to have participated in, in our political system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm just you know a hundred years ago 
Um, and so like, I think about that. I mean, I think about that a lot as a, a single woman, I can't own, I couldn't have owned certain things had I, right. you know, had this been a hundred years ago. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I love another thing that I've thought about too, and just, and just, you know, so Adina, the, the Jeff Nichols is a very restrained type of director and he kind of like lets his characters and actors just come to life. Um, and, and this movie is, is good in that, in that sense, because he's just letting them show what's happened, what's happening in, internally, especially for someone like Richard loving who is, he just doesn't know what to do. He's not a man of few, or he's not a man of many words. Um, and he knows also not to fight back uh, as demonstrated in that scene with the, with the police officer when he's just like telling him like, you don't know better. It's just because you grew up around them. You think it's okay. And like all this stuff and you want him to like bombastically just jump out and be like, no. And like, like there are no fists thrown. There are no shots fired in this movie. And it's so, it's like a, a powerful type of uh, like civil rights story, even though they didn't participate mm-hmm. in the civil rights movement, uh, even though it was happening. Right when they were living in DC it was just them just like, Nope, we're, we're living together. We're moving back home or at least close to home toward the end of the film. Um, it's, it's a powerful type of depiction of like fighting the system, which is so like, you don't just don't see, you don't see very many movies like that. Right. And they were just normal people. Like they weren't, I mean, yeah, they just normal people who really loved each other. It wasn't like a, Mm -hmm. They didn't have any special education, any of this. It's just, yeah, they became the poster child for this situation. Yeah, it's uh, really good, really powerful. Uh, I still wish that there had been not more like Oscar-y moments. I love that R- Ruth Nega was nominated for Best best Actress for this movie when it came out. I guess it was the 17 Oscars. Um, but I was like, man, I just I, I wanted to see more and more of, of them acting. Mm-hmm. So what... What were uh what were some some of your y'all's favorite moments or gripes and complaints or things that could have you would have done differently? I really felt the fact that she wanted to go home because mm-hmm. and this is oh, yeah. especially for this podcast about you know flyover country and the podcast I do about being from the south. Sometimes you just think just just leave if it's if it's so horrible just leave. But like, mm-hmm. even though they wouldn't let her marry who she wanted to, that was that's where she was from. That's where her family was, and she wanted to get back there. Mm-hmm. She wanted her kids to play on grass and not be in the in the inner city and stuff. Um, so to me, that was powerful. This the loneliness that came with this whole situation. Like she wasn't there to see her nieces and nephews really grow up, and they couldn't see her kids grow up. And I, th- I, that really, I really felt that because I, I'm from a country town and I, and I live in a mid-sized city now. But I'm just, you know, that's home. Even with all the problems and stuff mm-hmm. that comes with it, sometimes. And all the the politics you may not agree with is it, is home. Mm-hmm. So I really felt that that longing that she had and that feeling out of place that she had. So yeah, powerful. and it, it it's cool that it ends with him building the house. Like you get you yeah. get three or four specific shots of him putting the bricks down, putting the mortar on top, like just over and over. And then right at the end, you get one more of those shots, and then him laying kind of the foundation for their house. And I was like, that's a great great way to to end the the movie right there olivia you were gonna say something what what was your thought i was gonna say that something that i just really loved was that these were just regular people that like i i think adina you said you know there was nothing really like crazy important about them they were just 
two regular people living their lives and they did kind of become the poster children for this um for this this issue and this very racist law right um and i think that's why i really liked it so much was that richard was a man of few words um which was common for that time men often had to be viewed as the caretaker and and had to kind of you know they did they went to work they came home and that was what they did while the the wife uh, and the women stayed home and raised the kids and everything like that. And so it's kind of traditional in that sense. Um, But they were just regular people, but that you could tell that they like, they cared for each other. I I really liked that moment whenever um, Michael Shannon as a photographer from, from um, time magazine shows up and he's just sitting and observing them, you know, have like have dinner with their kids watching what was it? The Andy Griffith show and just how like sweet they were in those little moments. Cause you didn't really see that a whole lot. There wasn't necessarily a whole lot of affection, but when it was there, it was there. It was really just really sweet to watch. And I, I really liked that. Um, so that is my, that's my take. Uh, one of the funniest parts in the movie that was, I mean, framed by an obviously, you know, perilous, uh, perilous backdrop of the, circumstances in society they were living in but when uh the i guess is it raymond their their friend raymond is just like tearing up the road and uh richard's like get inside get inside and uh he gets there and he gets out and he's like what's going on and he's like i just have some news to tell y'all and he's like oh yeah and richard just like starts yeah. breathing heavily like i thought you were like someone coming to you know do god knows what uh it, uh that's like one of the only humorous parts of the movie. But then Raymond's like, what? What's what's wrong? What did I do? He's, he's, like, he's like, I always drive like that. I, that was funny. Because again, it was like you you were just waiting for that little that little moment to drop. It's like, oh no, I was just in a hurry. Yep. Yeah. I always yeah. Yeah. That's something that I think Jeff Nichols does really well is to like build the suspense. And you're just kind of always waiting for something to happen. And not that it like, it, I don't not to say it doesn't pay off. It's just, especially in, in movies like this, you're, you're fully expecting some, something to happen it to get violent, someone to, you know, get the crap beat out of them or worse. And, and so I think that Jeff Nichols is really good at like kind of building that suspense and, and making you just kind of sit there and think, okay, when is it going to happen? Eric Which, what? yeah, Sorry. Sorry. no, go ahead. I saw no. Eric's like unmuted himself and then muted himself back. So Eric, like- Eric, it's you. Go, Eric. Yeah, I was going to say kind of the same thing, but Jeff Nichols is really good at injecting these natural moments of humor into his movies because none of his, all of his movies are very serious and they're on, they're all very serious subject matters. But like he'll have these scenes and little moments throughout all of his movies where it's just natural humor. It's like a joke or a line that you would see in like everyday conversation with, with your friend or something. Um, at Jeff Nichols as a writer is, is really good. I that. love when he is, uh, Adina, you mentioned this earlier. Uh, he's uh, asking Richard, oh, how many tro- trophies have you won? And he starts counting on both his fingers and he just stops and he goes a lot. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you need my hand too. And that was really cute because it was like it just reminded you of that that old timey humor that like <laughs> that like your aunts and uncles yeah. would be saying on the table. Like I really, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really yeah. can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I'm trying to see if there's anything else we. Oh yeah. So can we talk about the ending? Um, with like the uh, you kind of touched on it. The ending frame of of Richard like building the house up mm-hmm. and with his family mm-hmm. all around him, and that was like one of the first scenes in the movie was 
Richard talking to Mildred about how he, he just got this acre of land and he's going to build a house for them. Mm-hmm. And I thought the ending was was really, really powerful. And him him in the ground right there with, with his family helping him build the house right mm-hmm. there. And then you see the the line text come on come on the screen, which I didn't I didn't know that he he died seven years later in a car accident. It's like a um, got shivers whenever I saw that final yeah, I was like, wow. I know and it mm-hmm. and then No, you go ahead. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say that that was really powerful. Then after that, there's the 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 pho- photograph of of Richard and Mildred just laying on the couch together. I was like, what a, what a brilliant oh, yeah. ending. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And just that day was that the day that they shot that final ending, where it's like you see the sky and the field and the 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 stakes showing the foundation of the house, um, and the the text starts appearing. It was like I was like, man, this is like so beautiful. And that's how the movie starts. The movie starts with their love like on the front porch when they're talking mm-hmm. about the pregnancy and he's just like smiling. He's just happy. And then he buys the field or he buys that acre and it's all, it's all good. It's all pretty. It's all green. And then there's like no color for a long time while they're in DC. Um, I, I love just, I didn't notice that until the second time I watched it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that the video, the movie didn't cover the husband's death or anything and then, because when it first started, um, my husband was like, "Oh yeah, he he dies like seven years later," um, and I was like, "Why are you telling me? <laughs> Wait, what? I was like, what? Said, he said, "I don't think it's in a movie. I mean, I think it's just like he didn't live long after the ruling." I'm like, "Okay, thanks mm-hmm. a lot, thanks a lot for doing." <laughs> but thankfully, it, it was just you know. But still, I mean, he told me that from the jump. Because, <laughs> but anyway, it was a uh, they did that that was heartbreaking. But um, you know, very sweet that she stayed in that house with her kids, never remarried, and all that. You know, that was yeah. It, it, and, and her last name, like it just seems like that. It seems like something you would make up. Like yeah, uh, we yeah. loving. We didn't yeah, talk about that because yeah. it, it just seems so <sighs> so obvious. That you, On the nose, right? That you don't even have to say it, but like yeah, like their name is loving. Which <laughs> I love when people's names match up with side note with like mm-hmm. what they do. This, but like for this couple to be the couple's love that kind of made interracial marriage legal. Legal. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love when people have like last name money and they work in accounting. <laughs> it just like yeah. when things like that work out, like oh, this is <laughs> so wonderful. But like my last name is yeah. White and then my husband's White. It's not really the same, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the I love. I think my f- absolute favorite scene is when he comes home and. It's, you know, I guess that process was like seven years or nine years. It was like, it was, it was a long time. It was almost 10 years, I think. Almost it was, 10 years, yeah, so. it was like nine, 10 years. It was a while. Yeah. Where he, he gets to that point, he just comes home and he, you know, had been drinking a little bit and he's just like, starts crying and he's like, I can take care of you. And she's like, I know, I know. And then the last bit of text is she says i miss richard he took care of me and i was like oh i was like tearing up right right there at the end so yeah 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 sweet sweet movie this movie so it had a a nine million dollar budget and it grossed 12.9 million dollars that was something i hadn't looked at like the box office returns for his movies um but that's a that's not a great return but it's that's a good return and that also got Ruth Nega, a um, Academy Award nomination for Best Actress. So good for her. I think I watched the Oscars that year, um, but definitely, definitely deserve it. I feel like too. Joel Edgerton, I don't know if one of y'all wants to look up the nominees real quick for that year, but I was also disappointed that Joel Edgerton didn't receive a nod because I thought he was phenomenal as well. 
Yeah, Joel Edgerton is just an underappreciated actor in Hollywood. Like he's such a great character actor. Mm-hmm. He really immerses himself in every role that he's in. You don't see Joel Edgerton, you just see the character. Mm-hmm. And that's something that he's always been good at and I always enjoy every movie that he's in. And he doesn't have a he doesn't have an Oscar yet. He deserves one though. So that year for Best Actress, uh, in addition to Ruth Nega, Emma Stone was nominated for La La Land. Isabel Ho- Hoopert for H- L. Hooper, yeah. Hooper, excuse Hooper. me. No, it's okay. Meryl Streep for Florence Foster Jenkins and Natalie Portman for Jackie. Did Emma Stone win that year? I think so. I'm not sure. That was a big and year. That was a big year. That was a very controversial year because yes. Moonlight and La La Land. That that was that. Oh whole yeah. yeah. Who who messed it up? Was it a Warren Betty? Was it a yes i think i think it was yeah i think it was that's so funny and then and then go ahead go ahead oh no i was just i think i actually did watch that one when it was on because i remember like no no this this is wrong this the winner's moonlight like that was (laughs) that was something (laughs) so yeah that was a big year yeah as far as best actor for that year it was casey affleck for manchester by the sea which he won yes andrew garfield for hackshaw rid hack Saw Ridge, where's our hard? Ryan Gosling for La La Land, Denzel Washington for Fences, and Vigo Mortensen for Captain Fantastic. Nice. Which I had forgot about that movie. I uh, again referencing the big picture. Um, they th- it's called the big picture because they talk about award seasons and like the movies that win awards, and so they talk about the Globes and the Oscars and the uh, Emmys. And wait, yes, Emmys. Um, and <laughs> we're talking about Seventeen and how uh, Meryl Streep was thrown in there because she's Meryl Streep and not because <laughs> like her fo- performance is good in Florence Foster <laughs> Jenkins. So I was like, huh, interesting. And then the same thing with, um, I think we've talked about this, uh, freaking Judy and uh, you, you watched it. What's her name? Renee Olivia. Zellweger? Yes. Like people... At some point when Judy was coming out, all of the critics decided like, this is her time to win an Oscar and no one knows why, (laughs) but there is, but like, but she won. Everyone predicted like she's going to win. She's going to win SAG. She's going to win New York and then uh, Globes. And then like she won the Oscar and no one saw Judy except Olivia a couple weeks ago. It's like Leo. (laughs) I was going to say, it's like Leo winning winning for the revenant when he says like two words when he really should have won for like <laughs> yeah. Wall Street. Yeah. yeah and like all of his other movies any actor can crawl can open uh, <laughs> cut open and crawl inside a horse but uh yeah yeah i mean mark hamill did it in empire Strikes you're Strike right yeah him, so. well harrison ford pushed him into the oh yeah, that's right that's then right. harrison ford got into so it's different it is different. it's not the same it's not the same yeah, yeah. um adina who who is your favorite? Who's your favorite actor? Mm, I really like um, Viola Davis when she does anything. Like, because oh, I guess yes. I mean I watched hundred percent. Yes, like how to get with a murder and just like the way she can cry those tears and just do. I yep. mean, her uh, screen she, presence is yes, like next she level. she yes. is awesome. So I, I would say she has to be my my favorite. Um, trending of a man, I can I can say too. And I, I'm not good with like, actors and actresses very well. Like, Men are useless. You don't have to say an actor. <laughs> oh, but um, I may think of someone, but like she, she's who I think of when I think of first, like when I'm just like yeah. amazed oh, at her yeah. talent. Um, so, yeah. Have you seen, yeah. have you seen Widows? 
No, I have not. And I okay. I want to see it. Wow, that's yeah. a okay. good movie. Yeah. Steve McQueen, mm-hmm. he's a he's a black director. He's got amazing movies. Yeah, you got to check out Widows. I that's been on my watch list for a long time, so I wasn't sure whether or not you had seen it. Who else is in Widows? Yeah. I, uh, Daniel Liam Neeson, Daniel Kaluuya, Colin Farrell. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a kind of good cast. cast. Okay, I thought I thought it had a pretty loaded cast. Yep. Okay, it's absolutely yeah. loaded. Okay. It's a great watch. I love it. I love another movie I that I liked recently. Yes, more recent than The Temptations. Growing up, <laughs> <laughs> but still several. Like, well, let me go back to my childhood. <laughs> yes. and, uh, I know, yeah. Still a couple years old, but when Get Out came out, oh, that's yeah. one that's on the theaters Ooh. more than once. So I watched it with my husband. Nice. And like it was so the the atmosphere was just so cool because like there, there, I was sitting by uh, another young black guy and then when it first came on and and that man was walking down the street we we're looking to her like oh no you better go home like we already were in it and then um, I watched it again with my sister because she wanted to see it so I went with her and so I knew what was going to happen but I saw things I didn't see the first time so I think that mm-hmm. was one that where I went to theaters twice to see it so that it's still yes. a couple years ago but that was one of my more recent um, movie watching experiences. Gotcha. Have you seen Us? No. See, I'm, see, I'm bad. Oh, man. Because I have these movies I want to see, uh, and then, like, yep. I haven't seen Us yet. And I think it came out kind of when I was still a new mom. My, my kids, too, now. But um, but it's on my yeah, list. Yeah, I, I think it came out a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. What, uh, Adina, in uh, in Get Out, what was the moment? Or Oh, uh, yeah, this is, this is the question I was going to ask. You have those moments where his buddy, I forget the actor's name, but Daniel Kaluuya's buddy, who's the security guard, um, the movie's pretty creepy and you you know something's wrong, but whenever his buddy's either on the phone with him or otherwise, it's like kind of an injection of like like black humor uh, as I've seen in some some other movies. But mm-hmm. what what were your audience, like when you saw the movie in theaters, what were the reactions like in those moments? It it was good. Like the the, the the my favorite moment was when when the when after I'm skipping ahead at the very end when the police car comes, yeah, and we're yeah. like, oh gosh, she's in trouble because this 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 white woman's dying on the ground. He's this guy here. can't catch a break, yeah. right? And when that happened, and when we saw it was his buddy, I mean, the theater just like erupted in applause, and I <laughs> nice. and that I felt that. But then when my when I watched it with my sister, I guess a different crowd. It was not the same. I was like, y'all, y'all, uh-huh. isn't this? No, this is like <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think that was a really I love that moment we all shared when we were just a sigh of relief, like, phew, it wasn't the cops, because after all the scary stuff that happened, like the police. Was like one of the scariest ones we knew for that black yeah. man, you know. Yeah, you're like, he, yeah, because at that point you think, oh, he got out of the the frying pan, but now he's now he's in the fire because right, right. the police car is rolling up. So, yeah. Well, guys, we're running up on time. Uh, do y'all have any final final thoughts about loving or uh, black belt voices? Adina, what are what are you guys working on right now? Next couple uh, episodes or plan for the, the next year or so? We're about to wrap up season two. Our seasons is on our second one, of course, but we we try to run from September until um, March. So we have three more episodes. Um, we just did one about some bills that are trying to pass in Arkansas state legislature about not letting people teach the 1619 project in classrooms and one about um, mm-hmm. not teaching certain courses on social justice or, you know, so we talked about that. We'll have one on women of color, entrepreneurs, specifically black women business owners in in Arkansas and the Delta. And also one on kind of diversity in general and one on Driving the Green Book, another cool podcast that we talk to their host. So we're going to wrap up season two with that and then hopefully come back in season three with um, a few more cool topic ideas that we have. But we we kind of take the summers to kind of 
rebuilt. So cool, cool. That's nice. awesome. We uh yeah, I think I have told Eric and Olivia about the the first two of y'all's podcast episodes that I listened to was a were about um and you can they're they're published, so I'm not like spoiling anything, but uh Ronnie Williams was your mm-hmm. um Inter- interviewee subject olivia did you listen to those episodes? i did yeah i listened to yeah. the episodes with ronnie williams who i've met a few times because he um is one of the vice presidents at uca and so i've met him a few times and always just the nicest guy super friendly mm-hmm. and i've i've always just loved interacting with that guy and so when isaac was like hey you should listen to this podcast um my coworker is one of the co-hosts and um so he he sent me that the episode with with ronnie williams and it was it was so great it was really good really extremely powerful and and again like similar to to the the story of the lovings that the events of that you discuss in those podcast episodes were in occurred in the 60s and 70s if i'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken like very very recent and also kind of a extremely sad look at the the recency of like even our our home where you and i live adina um Mm -hmm. and where eric and olivia and i went to college uh things that have happened here that were just dark and unjust and kind of what quiet resilience and and a peaceful type of uh protest looks like uh really really amazing and i recommend everyone go check that out so yeah he's and he's working on the book like he's he's working on get, finding a publisher for it and his book will be out hopefully pretty soon about his brother's story um mm-hmm. and so i yeah i can't wait till that comes out hopefully we can, hopefully we can have him back on to talk about his book but um yeah and as we know like he's i think it was 1960 when it happened and then the case reopened in, in the 80s so like like i mean okay. yeah that really wasn't that long ago so Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really good. Well, Dina, we are so thankful you got to be on with us today. Uh, thanks you. Thank you for sharing your insight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric's clapping behind oh. his, uh, his uh, <laughs> muted microphone, but I'm so, so thankful you got to come in and talk about loving with us. Yeah, me too. Do you have, do you have any final, final thoughts or comments or recommendations that you think would, would benefit us or our listeners, like books, other podcasts? Oh, wow. Um, let's see. Other podcasts. Man. So, well, we already mentioned Code Switch, which you gave me that high praise that hours is similar to. Love that podcast. I love Brene Brown's podcast. She has two. She has Unlocking mm-hmm. Us and Dare to Lead. Um, I also enjoy um, The Stoop. That's, that's another good one I like. I'm, I have so many I subscribe to, so I'm really behind. But um, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> yes, yes. Same. Yeah. But thank you for having me on yours, and I can't wait to uh, you know check out some more episodes. Like I mean, I, I love, I love, the, I always love the theme of what y'all are doing, kind of like what we try to do: find those stories that are often overlooked, like you know, in the South and the Midwest, like you know, flyover country, like you talk about. Like I, I love, I love what you're doing as far as bringing out pr- different perspectives that we're not used to hearing. So thank you, yeah. thank you, yeah, we, thanks. We try, we try to have fun. It's a, it's a lot of fun. We're getting as we get better at podcasting. It's a lot more. Uh, a lot more fun. I had when we did our Sundance episode. I slept like five hours the night before and was bouncing off the walls. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this was thank fun. you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah Olivia thank and you Eric. So much, Adina. Yeah, thank you. Nice to meet you, Eric and Olivia. And yeah, it was nice to have you on. Yeah, good to see Isaac again. Haven't seen. Yep, yeah, always a pleasure. Two weeks has been two weeks. That's it. <laughs> but feels like it's been a lot longer. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
Yeah. All right. Well, y'all take care. Uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and check out Black Belt Voices podcast. Give them some, show them some love. And uh, Dean, thank you again. And we will see you guys next time. I'm Isaac Sims signing off from Conway, Arkansas. I'm Olivia Clement signing off from Oklahoma. And I'm Eric Pham signing off from Arkansas. We will see you guys later. Bye.